0: Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're glad that you could join us again this week. And this is the 13th week, the 13th lesson, the final lesson in this quarter on three cosmic messages, unpacking, understanding, and delving into the three angels' messages of Revelation chapter 14. We're delighted this week once again to have with us, for the last time this quarter anyway, Pastor Mark Finley, his an international speaker, evangelist, Well-known to those of you who have been around It Is Written for a Long Time, and he's going to share with us what we need to know to pull this all together as we look at being ablaze with God's glory. But before we dive into that, we're going to start with prayer. Father, thank you again for bringing us together. Thank you for bringing us on this journey of the last 12 weeks, 13 weeks now. And we ask that as we bring everything together together, that you would help us to understand the big picture and the role that we play in it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Mark, welcome back once again.
1: It's been a delight. I've really enjoyed being with you, Eric.
0: So this has been quite the journey. We've managed to, to take three messages, and some might say found a way to expand them into 13 lessons. But really, if you stop and think about it, we found a way to cram that, into 13 messages, because we've covered a lot of ground.
1: We really have.
0: A whole lot of ground. Here we are in week number 13, ablaze with God's Glory. We start this week on Sunday with a a lesson or a message, a section entitled Preparing for the Final Crisis. We've looked at so many elements of, of these three angels' messages, and ultimately it's leading us to some very significant events, some of which are kind of beginning now but are going to increase in in a very incredible way in the very near future, some final events, a final crisis. What's that going to look like?
1: You know, both Jesus and John in the book of Revelation and Jesus throughout Matthew point out that there are certain events that lead up to the second coming of Christ, certain signs But both of them point out that although we can know that the time is near we cannot know when it is here and there's a difference in that there are some people that want to predict that Christ is going to come in five years ten years 20 years but both Jesus and Revelation point out that Christ will be coming quickly rapidly unexpectedly as a thief but yet And we'll know the broad outline of events, but we will not know the exact timing of his coming. The Apostle Paul picks up that theme in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where he says, starting with verse 1, "...but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you." In other words, you know the general time frame of this. "...for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night." So you know the general time frame, but you don't know the exact time. Most thieves do not announce they're coming to your house. <laughs> it says, for you know that perfectly the Lord comes a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, now another word for safety in the Greek language there is security. We hear a lot about that today, that men and women desire peace, a, a society of peace. We have crime running rampant in our city streets, school shootings, they're just incredibly horrible. Um, lawlessness break-ins to home stores people are going for peace and they want security the security business in the United States is booming whether it's internet security that uh, keeps you from being hacked on the internet from the internet thieves whether it is security in your home with uh, security systems that are being sold whether it is national security, where you have security because of the government building weaponry, when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they cannot escape. Now, next few verses tell you exactly how to be ready. But you, brothers and sisters, of course, are not in darkness that they should overtake you as a thief. Your sons of the light were not of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, let us watch and be sober. So what is this talking about? What it's saying is, don't be a wild-eyed fanatic and say Christ is coming in two years, three years, five years, because then when he doesn't come, if, if he doesn't come, if he does not come at that time, you're going to be discouraged. But watch and be ready. An old Adventist leader by the name of Luther Warren, he founded the youth department of the 7th Adventist Church, he said this, the only way to be ready for the second coming of Christ is to get ready today and stay ready. When Jesus says watch, when Paul says watch and be sober, this is what they mean. Be alert. Be spiritually alert. Every day live your life as though Christ were coming. Because if your heart stops beating for you, the next thing you're going to know is the coming of Christ. So the appeal of Scripture is to not have our lives so cluttered with things that we miss the glorious event of the second coming of Christ. But every day, be spiritually alert. Every day, have your life dedicated to Christ. Be saturated, saturate your mind in God's word. Let his grace fill your heart and wash over you.
0: You know, Pastor Mark, that very next verse there, verse number eight, I think continues that idea. It says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation." That sounds not unlike some, some counsel that Paul has given us elsewhere in his writings about the, uh, the armor of, of righteousness and so forth, uh, that Christian armor. And every day we need to put on that Christian armor to, to be ready for those things that are, that are shortly going to come to pass. Exactly. Yeah. I want to jump to Tuesday's lesson here. On Tuesday's lesson, there is uh, an interesting question that you ask and it's referring to Revelation 18, verse number one. It says, what three things does John tell us about this angel? So let's take a look at Revelation chapter 18, verse number one. Here's what it says. In Revelation 18:1, it says, and after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Of course, this week's lesson is about being ablaze with god's glory what do we know about this angel in revelation chapter 18 verse number one what are some of the characteristics that this angel has and why are they important to us yeah
1: i think there are three significant things in this verse first we have been talking about three angels messages to prepare people for the coming of jesus in the second of those three angels messages it says babylon has fallen this reiterates that announcement and it Babylon has fallen lower and lower, and it's become a habitation of demons, as we pointed out in another one of the lessons. So the first thing I would note about this verse is it says, after these things I saw another angel, that God has a continued message for his people. He is continually pointing out the events that are coming. The second, it says that it has great authority. Now, the word authority there, of course, the New Testament is written in Greek language. The word authority is a word called exousia, and it's when Jesus sent out to the disciples in Matthew 10 1, it says that he gave them authority over unclean spirits, exousia. Exousia is a word that means one triumphs, not defeated. One has triumphed over the principalities and powers of hell. So the angel that comes down from heaven comes down with a message of authority. He comes down with the message of the living christ he comes down with the message of a jesus that triumphed over the principalities and powers of hell so his people can be sent out with that message then it says the earth was illuminated with his that is the glory of god Um, the angel reflects the glory of god the message that goes forth illuminates the world with the glory of god what is god's glory According to Exodus 33, God's glory is his character. So here is a message that talks about a people who complete the task that Christ began. Christ finished the work on the cross. He said, it is finished. His death on the cross provides salvation full and complete but the work of God on earth was not finished. The plan of salvation was finished. The atonement was complete. We can add nothing to it, but the work of God on earth was not finished. It is not finished till every man, woman, and child on the face of the planet hears about the gospel, knows about the knowledge of God. And so here, the character of Christ reflected in his people of love, joy, peace, long suffering that will be. Uh, to illuminate the earth with the glory of God. In fact, throughout Scripture, it talks about Christ finishing his work. You know, in, in Romans 9, it says that, and he will finish the work. How does God finish the work? He, he doesn't simply finish it by angels, because if he were going to do that, he would have finished it long ago. He uses his people, both through their life and their verbal witness, to go out and to illuminate the earth with his glory.
0: So this sounds, among other things, like a message of mercy because God's not done saving people. Uh, like you said, it, on the cross, the work of salvation was, was done, but we're still here. Um, either God is vindictive and hateful and just wants us to keep living in a messed up planet and experiencing pain and sadness and death, or there's something still that's going on. And God is working through, through you, through me, through, through all of us, to reflect his glory into the pathways of others Uh, as we embrace christ as we embrace his way of life as we embrace his message and share that not just in word but in the lives that we live other people get to see a glimpse of jesus that they might have a hard time getting otherwise
1: exactly and you know i love here what it says in the next verse he cried with a loud voice saying babylon has fallen has fallen and then he talks about the nations verse three being drunk with the wine of her fornication and this union of the church state and economic powers but look at verse four and i heard another voice from heaven saying come out of her my people lest you share in her sins unless you receive of her plagues so there is this appeal that christ has given to his people whom he desperately loves, who he desperately wants saved. And he appeals to them to come out of this conglomerate of false religiosity, Babylon.
0: I love in that verse where he says, come out of her, my people. He claims them as his own. They they may be steeped in error. The system that they are, are a part of may be headed downhill fast, but he still has people in there. And his desire is not to see them go down with the proverbial ship. He wants to save them. He wants to bring them out. And if you happen to be watching this and and realize that you are on a ship that is sinking, that that is not based upon the sound foundation of Scripture, as it were, uh, God's message to you may be, and in fact is, come out. Uh, I I also notice something here that God doesn't say. He says if you find yourself in Babylon, he doesn't say try to reform her. His his message is pretty straightforward. It's come out.
1: Yeah. He doesn't say stay in.
0: That's he right. says come out. He says come out.
1: Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about it as well. The book of Revelation has some very straightforward um, condemnation. It condemns systems. It does not condemn individuals within those systems. And I think that's important. We've talked in this series about the medieval church, the Roman church, and the Bible is very clear on its call to come out. We've talked about other religious organizations, apostate religious organizations within Protestantism. God's clarity has come out. But God is looking at broad outlines of systems, not people. Right. And within those systems, God has people that he loves desperately that he's inviting to follow Jesus and follow his
0: truth. He he absolutely does. We're going to continue looking in just a moment at uh, the earth being ablaze with God's glory. But I want to remind you one more time, if you haven't done it yet, don't let this opportunity slip by. You want to pick up the companion book to this quarter's lesson. You will get so much more out of it. Even if you've gone through the lessons, this adds so much more. It's called Three Cosmic Messages, by Pastor Mark Finley. Where can you find it? It Itiswritten.shop Go to itiswritten.shop Pick up Three Cosmic Messages by Pastor Mark Finley and you will gain so much more insight into this quarter's lesson. We're going to be back in just a moment with the last segment of the last lesson and we're going to tie everything together. We'll see you back in just a moment.
1: More and more people are watching It Is Written TV. They're watching their favorite It Is Written programs, listening to inspiring sermon series, and much more. They're watching them here, here, and even here. See for yourself why people are turning to It Is Written TV to watch their favorite Christian programs live and on demand. Watch It Is Written TV for free anytime on Roku, Apple TV, and at itiswritten.tv.
0: Welcome back to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're going to bring the last little bit of this quarter together as we take a look at two significant questions. And the first one, Pastor Mark, the Bible says about the earth being filled with God's glory. And in fact, that's the title of Wednesday's lesson, God's glory fills the earth. This sounds phenomenal. Something to look forward to. Absolutely. What do we have to look forward to when God's glory fills this earth? What is that all about? Unpack that for us, if you would.
1: When I was studying in preparation to write the lessons, I began to look at this idea of God's glory to find out what it was associated with. And, you know, Revelation eighteen one says, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great authority and uh, the earth was illuminated with his glory. What is the glory of God? Well, obviously it's his character. Why does John use the expression the glory of God? Satan attacked God in this great cosmic conflict between good and evil. He attacked his authority. Satan wanted the glory that would go to God. That's why the message of the three angels says, fear God and give glory to him. Now, when you look at this idea of giving glory to God, I want to look at three texts in the book of Revelation that I think are going to help us a great deal. Why do we give glory to God? Revelation 4, verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Notice two things here. First, the worthiness of God to receive worship and glory is because he's the creator Mm. the devil attacked creation but notice two other words that are linked closely with this honor and power what did satan desire he wanted the glory that went to god he wanted the honor that went to god and he wanted god's power didn't want god's character why is god worthy of glory honor and power because he is our creator but revelation chapter 5 and verse 12, if you look at 5 verse 12, it again, you see this. Um, it says, and can you read that,
0: uh, Eric? Yeah, verse 12 says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing.
1: Mm. There are seven things. There those are the seven things that Adam and Eve lost by sin. They lost dem- power. That another word for that is dominion. They had dominion over the earth. They lost the riches of the, the the richness of the experience of living in Eden, and all the treasures of Eden. They lost wisdom. Their hearts were deceived and desperate. Above all things, were were wicked. They they became sinful. They lost their strength to resist evil. They lost the honor that. They had before the whole universe as created beings. They lost their glory; their robes were ta- of righteousness were taken from them, and now they were naked, and they lost the blessing that heaven had. Christ was slain as our redeemer, so He could recover that lost dominion. He could recover those lost riches—the wisdom, the strength, the honor, and glory, and blessing. So, why is Jesus worthy of our worship, and our honor, and our praise? because first he created us, secondly he redeemed us. So what is this glory of God in Revelation chapter 18 talking about? It's talking about the proclamation that Christ is worthy to be worshiped because he's our creator. Christ is worthy to be worshiped because he's our redeemer. That the whole earth is filled with this idea of worship and praise and honor and glory to Christ because he created us and he redeemed us. But there's one more thing about this too, and that is we're going to turn to revelation and we're going to look there at uh chapter 19 verse 1. This is chapter 19. There's another there are four hallelujahs in revelation 19, but this one is very fascinating and you want to pick up this one in revelation 19 and we're going to look there at uh, verse 1 to start.
0: Sure. Verse 1 says, After these things, John says, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God
1: yeah then verse 2 for true and righteous are his judgments because he's judged the great heart that's all the false systems he's avenged the blood it gives four hallelujahs then it talks about christ coming in verse 15 and onward about king of kings and lord of lords so why is he worthy of our glory because he's going to come again he is our creator he's our redeemer and he's our coming king and so when we read in revelation chapter 18 the earth filled with the glory of god a people Committed to Jesus Christ, a people totally loyal to Christ, who are filled with His love and grace, go out to proclaim that He is the Creator in nature of evolution, that He is their redeemer, and his grace is filling their life, and He is coming again, and the earth is filled with His glory. And what is his glory? His character, but the truth about Christ, the truth about the Creator God, the truth about redemption, the truth about the second coming.
0: And that character by His grace will be reflected in in us, those yes. who, who recognize Him as our Creator, our Redeemer, and our soon coming King. And that hopefully should shine in the lives of others yes. to give them encouragement, to give them hope as the gospel goes to all the world. I've heard some people say, preach the gospel to all the world, and, and, and if necessary, use words, <laughs> you know. I think there's some truth to that, but but certainly through our lives, through our words, through our actions, through our interactions with others, we ought to be giving a picture of the character of God, a loving, caring, merciful character, and and yet one that's coming very soon that we need to be ready for.
1: Exactly. This whole concept of glory of God has to do with both what we live and our
0: proclamation. Very good. One last question as we're kind of pulling things together. The Bible describes... Jesus as the Lamb of God many times throughout Scripture. And especially in the book of Revelation, we see this depiction of him as the Lamb of God. John talks about about him as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Why is this understanding of Jesus being the Lamb of God so critical, so central to the message of the book of Revelation and the three angels' messages?
1: In the book of Revelation, there is a battle between Christ and Satan satan is pictured as the dragon jesus is pictured as the lamb when you consider a battle with a dragon and a lamb you pretty well know who's going to win but jesus reverses it because the lamb of god is stronger than the dragon at least 28 times some people have counted 29 times but at least 28 times in the book of revelation jesus is mentioned as the lamb of god One of the, there's a couple places that I'd like to highlight. One of them is Revelation chapter five. In Revelation chapter five, John looks up into heaven. And as he looks up into heaven in Revelation 5, one, it says, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. So John sees this scroll of history that is sealed. And he wonders who can open that scroll, who can explain to us the scroll of history, who can explain to us the judgments of God upon the wicked and the triumph of the righteous, who can explain to us the ultimate solution of the great controversy between good and evil. And as he looks up into heaven, he sees something. And what he sees is quite remarkable in verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, who has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seals. Then he continues, and read verse 6, please.
0: Verse 6 says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth.
1: Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, but he's also the Lamb. And here in this, it says, the lamb as it had been slain. We'll come back to that with seven horns. Horns are always a symbol of power. Christ has complete power. Seven eyes, eyes are a symbol of wisdom. Jesus is the one with complete power and complete wisdom. The seven spirits, the complete ministry of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will go out to reveal the slain lamb with wisdom and power to the entire universe and to this world and so Jesus is mentioned as this Lamb of God. You find this all through the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, for example, in verse 17, it talks about the the identity that we have with the Lamb. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Here you have the intimacy. Um, Revelation 14 Talks about those who are redeemed and stand on the sea of glass. And it says there in Revelation 14 that they uh, follow, these are they, verse uh, four, these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Um, all through the book of Revelation, you have this concept of the Lamb of God that was slain for us, has provided salvation full and complete. There is no reason to be lost. There is no reason not to understand his peace, his joy, his grace, his forgiveness. Revelation is not so much about wild beasts or mystic symbols or or weird images. It's about the Lamb of God. This Christ who bore the sins of the world, who experienced our condemnation, who experienced sin itself for us? You know, Galatians three verse thirteen says that uh, cursed is everyone that hangs upon the tree. Second Corinthians five twenty one says, "He who knew no sin became sin for us." So Jesus became sin for us. That's what Revelation is all about. That we can be saved.
0: That's encouraging. Pastor Mark, we've been on a 13-week journey together looking at the three angels' messages and how they apply to our lives today. Not just historical, uh, interesting tidbits, but very real messages for us. As we tie things together, is there any kind of final message, final thoughts that you would like us to, to dwell on as we're bringing this journey through the three angels' messages to a close?
1: Thank you so much for asking. The three angels' messages are a message of love given to us by a loving God to prepare people, to prepare us for his soon return. At the center of those messages is the everlasting gospel, the good news of the grace of God that can save every human being. I don't know where you stand in your experience with Christ, but here's the incredible good news. Christ is reaching out to you today. Maybe there's some decision you need to make He's inviting you to make that decision today. He's coming soon. Open your heart just now to receive him. Eric?
0: Pastor Mark, thank you so much for joining us uh, for 13 weeks on an incredible journey. We appreciate your time and insights. And thank you for joining us as well. May God bless you as you continue your study of God's word, and may we all be ready for that great day when Christ returns.